Today's uh, scripture reading will be from Romans 8, 1 through 14. Uh, in your pew Bibles, it'll be on pages uh, 1,183 through 84. And I, cur- and I encourage y'all to read along, whether it be your phone, uh, your own personal Bible, or your pew Bible. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending His own Son in the lifeful likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Well, welcome to our our last week in this little three-week series that we're doing called uh, The Golden Triangle to kick off this new year. And uh, it sounds a little bit maybe like a Chinese restaurant, but it's not. Uh, We... uh, We've talked about how this is the, the golden triangle of spiritual development or of spiritual growth. And three elements that, that go into that that are important. So the first week, oh, oh yeah, I got so many compliments on my drawing last week. I'm going to try and replicate it for you again. I'm going to do my best. Oh, getting a little curvy. How's that? Not bad. All right. So the first week was spiritual disciplines. And Brett spoke to us about what those are um, and, and how they affect our lives, that, um, that it's important to practice certain things that Jesus practiced and his disciples practiced in order to uh, bring about the, the transformation that we need in our, in our spiritual life. We talked last week about uh, trials and how uh, those things in our lives, if we persevere them through them and, and keep the faith through them that God can use, even the everyday problems of our lives and even the big problems of our lives uh, to also grow us in our faith and how that's kind of like 
uh, you know, in sports, we you practice and you practice, but at some point you have to get play the game, right? You have to get in the game uh, if you're ever going to get better at playing the game. There's only so far that practice can take you, and and in a sense, trials are the are the game. You know, that's when we get in the game and and we find out, you know, all this stuff we've been practicing through spiritual disciplines like prayer and and solitude with God and studying Scripture and all those things. If if we've been doing those, then we get to find out when a problem comes, how much progress we've made, right? And, uh, and it's an opportunity for growth. And then I held you in suspense about this last one, but it's really the biggest and most important one of all. And so today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit here at the top of our triangle and how that's so important uh, with regards to the rest of this triangle and really just the whole process of spiritual development if we want it to be effective in our lives. I want to get a little bit philosophical with you today, and, and if you brought your deep thinking hat, uh, we're going to try and, and think about ourselves and our world in some ways that maybe we don't think about it uh, from day to day. Uh, we believe, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I thought it'd be worthwhile to talk about, you know, what is spirit and what is uh, not spirit, you know, and, and uh, we sometimes use those terms loosely, and, and so just to think for a moment, the Holy Spirit. All right, we, we believe that in the beginning, God created, that, that God pre-existed and always existed, uh, that God is spirit, and that then he created all that is, that we observe in the physical universe, right? And, and so he created lots of different kinds of bodies as part of that process. There's celestial bodies. Y'all watch out. Here we go. How's that? It's my star, all right? There's, they don't look quite like that in the universe, but there's all different kinds of celestial bodies, right? I would try to draw you Saturn as a planet, but that would go really wrong. So, uh, just imagine it. But in the heavens, we see celestial bodies, we call them. They're, they're different kinds of physical matter joined together in a confined space with unique properties. Every one of them is, seems to be different, right? Uh, even though the stars might look the same to us, if you got right up close to them, you'd find out that one's burning hotter than this one, and this one looks a little different than that one, and they all have different lifespans. Uh, it's amazing. They're, every one of them is unique in some way, just like every planet is unique in some ways, and there's liquid matter and gaseous matter and all these different things out there, and yet uh, they're different kinds of, of bodies that God's created. And then on Earth, God created... Uh, different sorts of bodies again, like uh, animal bodies. This is going to be so good. I don't know what I'm doing here. That's an animal. All right, so he created animal bodies. And, and then, of course, last of all, he created the human body, and everyone knows how to draw a good stick figure. There we go. So then God did something different. It says that God formed the human body out of dirt, out of clay. And then he didn't just create a body. It says that he breathed into it. He breathed into the human body. Now we know that he didn't breathe oxygen into the human body because God doesn't have a body. He's spirit. And so God breathed spirit 
into the human body. And thus it is that we are body and spirit. And we say at funerals often, you know, that this is uh, so-and-so's body, um, but that's not all of them, right? Their spirit is still alive and with God in the heavens. And so it is that, that we have these two parts. God is spirit. This is part of what's so miraculous, as we talked about at Christmas, about the incarnation, is that God, who is spirit, took on the very flesh that he created for us to live in. So our bodies are, are like a dwelling place for a spirit. Now something else interesting happened in the creation narrative, and that is that uh, at some point the human spirit rebelled against God and against his ways. And when that happened, something... See, we don't fully understand how our, our body and our spirit are connected. Sometimes I like to think of it a little bit like a piano... This is something that just, I don't know how I came up with it, but it helped me to think about it. So, think of your body as a little bit like a, an instrument. And maybe your brain is the keys. And your spirit can play on those keys to interact with the physical world. And sometimes, our keys get stuck. <laughs> or the strings get out of tune, right? And, and things sound pretty weird. Well... We don't know how it's all connected, but somehow or another, when our spirits rebelled, it affected our bodies. And what was meant to be good and perfect became broken and began to decay. And we know it's very evident uh, with each passing day, isn't it, that our bodies decay over time. Uh, I'm just, you know, I've been working on some gray hairs for a long time, and then lately I've been noticing that there's less and less up here. This happens, right? Our bodies, uh, you know, have problems. <laughs> they have challenges. And so something happened at the fall where our bodies began to break down and, and our spirits rebelled against God. And so, we, so we're here with this problem. And this really kind of leads us up to what I want to talk about from Paul's passage that he, where he talks about our choice between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Because when our bodies broke down, they didn't just break down in the physical sense of, yeah, we die eventually, and yeah, our, our joints give out, you know, and we get arthritis, and all those kinds of things happen. But that's not the only way that our bodies broke. Our brains don't think right. We have genetic dispositions that aren't good or right. Our bodies are in rebellion against God. When our spirits rebelled against God, something also took place in our bodies, and that's been passed down from generation to generation. And you find that, I mean, we know that we come hardwired in some ways. A baby comes out of the womb, and it doesn't have to be taught to breathe, right? It doesn't have to be taught to nurse. Well, there's other things that we don't have to be taught either that we might not see as so God-given a reflex. We're born selfish. We're born with predispositions that we discover later in life as we grow older. And often we can look back in our family line and see 
Yeah, I've got the same problems they do. I, have this, I struggle with the same addictions that they do. I, I struggle with the same kind of sin and the same kind of problems and the same kind of poor decisions. And so it is that our, our bodies and our brains think in ways that they weren't originally designed to think in or to be in. Something is, is wrong within us. And Paul, in, in, Rome, in his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, tries to share how it is that we, as believers and followers of Jesus, set about correcting what went wrong in our bodies. And he contrasts what it's like to live according to the flesh, he calls it, or to live according to the Spirit. To be led by our flesh, or to be led by our spirit. And when we're led by the flesh, we continue to persevere in the same ways that, the same sinful ways that our ancestors have been since the fall of man. And in the same patterns that we have been uh, going in since, just, you know, as our ancestors before us. And he talks about, all these say Romans 1 for some reason, because I was brain dead when I did this, so just pretend it says Romans 8. <laughs> The verses should be fine. The chapter number is wrong. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, which we've already said is corrupted. For if, and then he also says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die, because the result of that kind of wrong thinking is death. But that's not the only option that we have. Thank goodness. There's also a spirit, a spirit-led option. Remember how I told you that at creation, and you probably were already familiar with the story, when God formed the human body, he breathed into it spirit. Well, there's this really cool moment after the resurrection of Jesus, where Jesus is gathered with his closest disciples, and before he departs them, he breathes on them. It echoes back to Genesis. He was giving them his spirit. A new spirit. A renewed spirit. His spirit. To come alongside our spirit. And to come alongside this broken flesh. And to help us begin to live a transformed life. Verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And so now we have two options available to us. We have the same option we always had of just going with what we feel. Going with the, the desires of our flesh. Going with whatever you know, draws our attention today with the same destructive patterns that have been breaking our relationships and, and stealing our peace and our joy for generations. You have that option. Or you have a new option since Jesus offers us His Spirit. You can be led according to the Spirit. You can set your mind on things of the Spirit and be led by that. He says, if Christ is in you, 
then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So we have an option that leads to death and an option that leads to life. He says, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, in your body, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now this is really cool. And I don't know that I caught this for a long time. Like I say, it's a mystery how the Spirit interacts with the body. It's clear that our spirit and our body are connected. And when our spirits rebelled against God, it affected our bodies. And the things that we determine with our spirits affects our bodies. And the things we do with our bodies affects our spirit. Well, when the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, it can actually affect our mortal bodies. This is both a future hope that someday we'll receive new bodies but it also refers to our mortal bodies and bringing life to our mortal bodies where right now there's just brokenness and darkness he can bring healing and light and life finally if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You will find out what living is really all about. You will discover the better way of life that Jesus came to offer. What he accomplished through his death and resurrection and ascension is so vital for our lives and it all comes down to this Holy Spirit coming into us to live in this body that's made for spirit to live in it. But the, the miracle of it is, is that God's Spirit comes alongside our spirit and helps us where we need help to bring our bodies and our flesh into submission. See, when you come to Christ, your spirit decides and determines it no longer wants to be in rebellion to God. You want to live according to His ways. But your body is still pre-wired and programmed just the way it came into the world, pre-wired and programmed, and also even worse, because you've been messing it up ever since then. We have. We make decisions. We choose certain lines of thought. When this happens, I, you know, I look at it this way, and I feel down about it, and then I throw a pity party, and you know, I chose to do that back when I was five years old, and I never got out of that habit, and I still do it today, and it's this pre-wired thing that just happens automatic. Your body has neurological responses that you don't even have to think about anymore. They just happen. And they're not right. And they're not helpful. They're not life-giving. They're not peace-giving. They're not joy-giving. And so when your spirit decides and recognizes the gospel for what it is and decides that you believe in Jesus, you want Him to be the King of your, your life, you've got a lot of work left to do on your body it's too much for you to accomplish in your own power and so God sends his Holy Spirit to come alongside your spirit to help bring your body and your flesh into submission so that you can find life in your mortal body the kind of personal growth that we all seek every January 
and that we seek in our spiritual life hopefully all the time. The kind of personal growth that actually leads to true life and peace only comes through the Holy Spirit. You can grow in a lot of different ways and you can change in a lot of different ways. But if you want to change in ways that lead to true life and peace, that only comes through partnership with the Holy Spirit. Just think for a moment about our triangle. Did you know you can practice spiritual disciplines without the Holy Spirit? You could. You can study scripture. You can meditate. You can pray. You can fast. You don't need the Holy Spirit for any of that. You could do it all. And did you know it would make a positive difference in your life if you did? It would change you. But it still wouldn't lead to true life and peace that only comes through the Holy Spirit. If you study, you might get smarter. And then you'd probably be proud of how smart you are, right? If you fasted, you'd probably get healthier. And then you'd be looking in the mirror like, hey, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> Done from the wrong motive or in your own power, it will never yield the results that you're hoping for. Same with trials, really. People go through trials every day without the Holy Spirit all over the world. Many of them come through it a mess. Some of them end up suicidal, but others of them tough it out. They look how far I've come. Look what I've done. I'm stronger than what life can throw at me. <laughs> it's a very different result than what walking through a trial with the Holy Spirit would produce, which would be a thankful heart, a humble heart, This Christian life, you can try to live it apart from the Holy Spirit, but it won't yield the true life and peace that only comes through the Holy Spirit. You can seek professional counsel and help. You can read all the self-help stuff and watch all the videos. Without the Holy Spirit, I just don't believe that you'll ever find true life and peace. That's what Jesus came to offer that's what His Spirit still offers to us today. What's our part in this? We talked about how it was so obvious with spiritual disciplines what our part is. Right? We engage in these ancient patterns and practices uh, so that we can grow spiritually. I mean, you know, things like, things like prayer, we know. Okay, I go and I pray. Sitting in silence, okay. That's harder. But if we could do it. You know, we understand how that works. Trials, that's a little harder because, uh, you know, I mean, you can come up with your own trial, but who wants to do that? <laughs> Most of us do it anyway. But trials, they come often unannounced. We have no control over that. But we do have control over how we walk through those trials. 
and who we walk through them with. And so that was un understandable. But the Holy Spirit, we don't have control over the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you could try. Good luck. So what's our part here? One thing I want you to understand with this is that the Holy Spirit is not opposed to your effort in spiritual growth. I mean, just what we read in the passage that we studied today includes verses like, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the, of the body, then you will live. Just because personal growth that leads to true life and peace only comes through the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play in that. Uh, the Spirit empowers your efforts not your laziness. I mean, he could empower your laziness, I guess, if he wanted to, but where's that going to take you? Lazier. <laughs> Sometimes as Christians, we think that effort is somehow opposed to grace or to the gospel. That we are saved by faith alone and that by grace and not by anything that we have done. And all that's true. That's earning God's favor. And yes, earning God's favor is opposed to grace and the gospel. But effort is not. There's a difference, right? This is kind of like um, if you're building something. You'd have to build it. The Holy Spirit would come alongside you with some blueprints. He would power your tools for you, but you're still going to need to pick up that drill. Right? Um, how about, you know, ladies, if you're shopping. Right? Maybe he fills your bank account with the money that you need. Maybe he even directs you to the right store or department or even the right rack of clothes. But you've still got to get up get yourself all fixed up and get out there to the store and put the thing on make sure it fits and stick it in your cart and swipe your card <laughs> put it in the car like you've still got something to do and so it is in our Christian life and if you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament and see the ways that God works with human beings he comes alongside what they're doing and he makes it work where they couldn't have made it work that didn't mean they weren't putting in any effort or playing any part in the role. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have things to do. We've got spiritual disciplines we need to practice. We've got to keep walking when we face trials of many kinds. We've got to hold on to our faith. And we've got to trust Him, His Spirit, to accomplish what we can't accomplish in our own power. And that's how the Holy Spirit ties all this in and why He is the indispensable part of this triangle. If we want true life and peace. One other thing I think worth mentioning is how do you know when it's the Spirit that's leading? And not just you. Or not just some other influence. 
suggests that you can tell when it's the Spirit by the results and by where He's leading. Is this leading to love? Probably the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about a Christ-like love now. Self-giving, others-oriented love. Is it leading towards things like joy and peace and patience? Is it leading you to be a kinder person? A more faithful companion and spouse? Is it leading you to have more self-control or less? All these things are markers of whether it's the Holy Spirit leading you or something else. Where is it taking you? How is it changing you? As we wrap up this series with this topic of the Holy Spirit, I want to make sure that, that none of us sitting here feeling overwhelmed or pressured, that, that there have been you know, more things to do, that you have to measure up in trials, the next problem that comes, that you're, there's some standard you're being held to. I don't want this to become like another legalistic thing for you of, okay, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. The Apostle Paul said that those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. You're a child of God. You're loved by God. Those who are led by the Spirit, not, not those who have reached perfection in the Spirit, those who are being led by the Spirit, who are being led toward perfection by the Spirit, who have a relationship with God, who want to be more like Jesus. They're children of God. And he loves them like a father loves a child. I got worried a while back that, because uh, I, I try to compliment my kids and uh, tell them, you know, that I'm proud of them and stuff like that. And I got worried at some point that they were going to start equating, uh, you know, a lot of kids do, equating their parents' praise with, like, they love me because I'm pretty or they love me because... I get good grades. Or they love me because, you know, kids run into that all the time, right? Where they're trying to earn people's love and affection because they think they have to do something to measure up. They have to be good enough at this sport to make daddy happy. All those kinds of things. And so I started trying to drill into my daughter, and I guess we'll probably have to do it with the son once he's a little older. Uh, why it is that I love her. And I would say, um, you know, do I love you because of this? And she didn't know. And do I love you because of that? And she didn't know. I said, no, it's none of that. I love you because you're my daughter. And explained to her, you know, that that is something that isn't changeable. I'm her dad and she's my daughter. That's just a fact. And, and my love for her uh, no matter what her decisions are or how she performs or 
whatever the case is, that love is going to be there for her by nature of our relationship. And so at this point, it's kind of like a game we play. I say, you know what? I just love you because you're so pretty. She's like, no, daddy. You love me because I'm your daughter. You know? <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hope that that can carry into some teenage years that can be rough for a lot of daughters, I know. And I hope that that makes a difference. I hope, ultimately, that when she gets older, that it'll be easy for her to fathom a God who loves her because she is his child, because she's experienced that in the world before. I hope that by God's help, I can provide that for her in some small measure. But if that's true for her, it's true for every one of you. Every one of you who's led by the Spirit. Every one of you who your Spirit has decided that Jesus is Lord. And you want to live according to that way, and yet you struggle with it like we all do. And so you've been interested in this series, not because of the, my great drawing, but because maybe spiritual disciplines, and maybe trials, and maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit, you could become more like Jesus, and you could experience more of the life and the peace that only He can give. But don't treat this like a religion. What I mean by that is, don't treat this like another set of rules. Don't treat this like a formula. Treat it like He's your Father, who loves you, because you're His child. Treat it as though you want to reciprocate that love, because He loved you first. Treat it as though you really do believe that His ways are better and that He has your best in mind. And if you do, I believe you'll see a lot of growth this year. I believe we'll look more like Jesus come 2020. kind of personal growth that leads to true life and peace only comes through the Holy Spirit. As we leave this series, maybe, maybe you are trying to work some of these spiritual disciplines into your life that have been missing from your life. Or maybe you're in the midst of a trial right now and that message really hit home for you. No matter where you're at though, Rely on the Holy Spirit. Don't rely on your flesh or on your power. It won't yield the results. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Call on God's name. Call on the name of Jesus. Let Him breathe His Spirit on you. Let Him change your body. When you work alongside the Holy Spirit in your body, he can help to change those thoughts and all those things that are hardwired in you. They don't have to be permanent. You can find freedom from those things in life. Maybe you've yet to make up your mind about Jesus. But the kind of life that he offers is so appealing to you. Come. Take this life. 
He offers it freely to you. It just starts by confessing and recognizing Him for who He is and your state for what it is. That your ways and your sin has led to poor results. And that you recognize that His ways, as our Creator, lead to life. And that you want that life. Come to Him and He will give you life. Life abundant. He said it's why He came. Let's close our eyes and let's pray together.